0: Welcome to the weekly worship podcast from the Presbyterian Church in Morristown, where we pause our busy lives to dig deeper into our faith. If you enjoy what you hear, please subscribe, or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Let's listen to how God might speak to us today, and remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.
1: Friends, today is the last Sunday. Before the season of Lent begins, we are also wrapping up our study of the first chapter of Mark's Gospel, which we began five weeks ago. During Lent, we'll be diving a little deeper into Mark's Gospel, exploring conversations Jesus had with various people as he made his way toward Jerusalem, which is to say as he made his way toward the place where he would be killed. For now, though, it is still quite early in Mark's gospel and in Jesus' ministry. He is still new on the scene, but the, the fame around him is, is growing, and word about him is beginning to spread. So two weeks ago, we read about how Jesus went into the synagogue, and while there, he cast out a demon from a man who had an unclean spirit. Then last week, we read about how Jesus healed the mother-in-law of Simon, one of his first disciples who had a fever within her. And after that, Mark says, he cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he went throughout Galilee proclaiming the message that the kingdom of God had come near. And that is where our text for today begins. Friends, this is Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. Hear God's word to us today. A leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country, and people came to him from every quarter. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us and melt us and mold us and fill us and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh now on each one of us. Amen. So tonight you may watch because you actually care about the game. (laughs) Or maybe because you like to see the commercials, or maybe perhaps you are just interested to see if Taylor Swift can make it from her concert in Tokyo to the Super Bowl in Las Vegas in time to see her boyfriend play. Whatever your reason for watching, you are likely to see one of two ads with Christian messages. One will feature Mark Wahlberg, for a new prayer and devotional app called Hallow, as in, Hallowed be your name, thy name. The other is from the He Gets Us campaign, which seeks to focus people's attention on Jesus' humanity because they say it resonates with the widest possible audience, according to their website. They say, we also provide open opportunities for anyone willing to connect with our partners to learn more about Jesus. Personally, I find the message of He Gets Us to be a bit confusing because the ads seem to have a progressive slant, but they're funded by donors that tend to lean more theologically conservative. Kevin Young, a pastor and biblical scholar who discusses Christianity on social media, says the He Gets Us campaign won't do much to assuage people's criticisms of the church. Young people, he says, are digital natives who understand the difference between slick marketing and authenticity. Mega-churches, mega-events, and mega-spending on marketing is seen as money that could have been used funding community programs and advocacy for the oppressed and the poor. Who knows? At least people are talking about Jesus. Jesus. A leper came to him begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Now, leprosy was a skin disease that was really serious, not only because of its consequences physically, but it was so contagious that there were rules for how you were supposed to act if you were unfortunate enough to contract it. If you've got a Bible in front of you or in a nearby pew, I invite you to open it to page 94 in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Testament, Leviticus chapter 13. It starts at the bottom of the page. It's page 94 if you're looking. So you can quickly just scan this chapter. The entire thing is about leprosy and the rules around what you're supposed to do if you have it. Now, if you skip down over to verse 45, I think that's on page 96, it says, The person who has the leprous disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head be disheveled. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. That is essentially the context for this story, our story in Mark chapter 1. Jesus has cast out a demon, he healed a woman who was sick with a fever, he then went around and he began casting out demons and curing people of their diseases and proclaiming his message and now another healing of a different kind of ailment, leprosy. A leper came to him, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Already there's something different going on here, and Mark might just be going straight to the point, not giving us the full story, but it appears that this leper does not abide by the rules. He doesn't come up to Jesus, covering his upper lip and crying out, Unclean! Unclean! But rather, if you choose, you can make me clean. One biblical scholar translates that sentence, you could declare me clean if only you would dare. But here's the next interesting thing about this text. It goes on, moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Now that word pity, which is sometimes translated compassion, moved with compassion, it can also be translated as anger. And in some ancient manuscripts of this text, that is how it's translated, as as being angry or indignant or infuriated. So let's play that out and imagine that for just a moment. A leper came up to Jesus, not abiding by the rules that dictated how he was supposed to act, and begging Jesus, kneeling before him, said, you could declare me clean if only you would dare, and infuriated, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. One of the main arguments that the word should be translated as angry or infuriated is that two of the other gospel writers, Matthew and Luke, they leave out this story. And that's significant because we know that Matthew and Luke both had copies of Mark's gospel when they wrote theirs. So if it's a story about compassion or pity, why would Matthew and Luke omit it? There are other stories in Mark's gospel where Jesus is said to have been moved with compassion or pity, and Matthew and Luke include those. So it's hard to imagine, then, why they both, independently of one another, would have left out this story if it's pity that moved Jesus and not anger. It does make sense that they would leave out this story, though, if it paints a picture of an indignant or infuriated Jesus. Are you with me? So there is a strong argument to be made that Jesus was moved with anger, with indignation. And that is indeed how some of the ancient translations have rendered this text. So the next question then is, why was Jesus angry Was Jesus infuriated because the man came up to him not playing by the rules that dictated how lepers in the first century were supposed to act? Probably not. Because Jesus himself didn't always play by the rules, and he often framed those, those old purity codes from Leviticus in new ways. He would say something like, You've heard it said this in the past, but I say to you, And then he would reinterpret those old teachings. So I don't think he was angry that the leper didn't play by the rules or abide by the old purity code from Leviticus. So why was he angry? What would cause him to be infuriated? Let's just sit with that question for a moment. Maybe even let's move on to a happier topic. This past week here at PCM, we experienced Sacred Space, a contemplative prayer walk along a modern day labyrinth designed with stations along the way that give you time to pause and to think and to reflect on your life and your relationship with God and with others. I'm thankful for those who were able to come out and attend and You'll notice on the cover of your bulletin, a picture of an activity we did at one of those stations. We left up the real thing in the narthex, hanging at the back of the sanctuary. The idea was that in God's family, we are connected to one another, and together we belong to each other, that belonging moves us out of isolation. It invites us to live authentically and faithfully, truthfully. It reminds us that we're not alone. And so to symbolize their place of belonging in God's world, people who came to sacred space were invited to cut a length of ribbon and then to tie it to the others wherever and however they wished, remembering that the more places of connection, the more deeply and powerfully their sense of belonging. And so there's this beautiful sort of weaving together, each ribbon representing a different person and their sense of connection to others. I hope you'll take a look at it up close after worship today, maybe even stand back from it a bit and zoom out so that you can see the whole thing. I think about belonging a lot because it is so tricky and even elusive in our world. The other day I was listening to an interview with Dr. Vivek Murthy the Surgeon General, and I know I referenced this report he did on loneliness a few months ago, but this interview was different. It sort of personalized that 89-page report that his office produced. He talked about how he was traveling around the country and talking to people and, and just asking them, how can I be helpful? He says, I was trying just to listen to what their stories were, and I heard a lot of stories that you might expect people who are concerned about the addiction crisis in their community, folks who are worried about the rising rates of depression and anxiety they're seeing among young people. But I also started to hear these stories about loneliness. I heard from young students who were on college campuses who would say, you know, I'm surrounded by hundreds of other kids here, but I feel like nobody knows who I really am. I feel like I can't be myself He says, I heard the same from parents who are busy, surrounded, you know, in their daily lives by so many people, but just who felt profoundly alone. I would talk to members of Congress, and I would hear the same thing, that they were feeling lonely. I would talk to CEOs. They were feeling lonely, too, and that's what really led me to dig into this and to recognize that not only is loneliness extraordinarily common with one out of two adults in America struggling with loneliness— And the numbers are actually much higher among young people. But it was also really consequential for our health, that when we struggled with a sense of social disconnection, it turns out it increased our risk for depression, anxiety, and suicide, but also for physical illness, for heart disease, for dementia, and for premature health. He goes on, so all of that came together to really motivate me to say, you know what, loneliness is actually a public health issue. It's not just a bad feeling, and it's one that we have got to give a greater urgency to as we address it. But that is so difficult in our day, isn't it? People are so busy, so disconnected, they don't feel seen or known or loved. And, and I know I sound like a bit of a curmudgeon here, <laughs> But I think that social media has told us a lie. That these platforms would help us connect with one another so that you can keep up with your old friends from childhood or or see what your cousin in Kentucky is up to. And all of the research around this, about what this is actually doing to us and to our brains, says that the quality of our relationships goes down as the quantity of our relationships goes up. (laughs) You can literally have thousands of friends on Facebook and not actually feel connected, truly connected to any of them. So Dr. Murthy uses the example of birthday greetings. He says, so I still remember when on my birthday, people would call me or text me. And then at some point, they started leaving messages for me on social media, like on my public wall. And they were like, happy birthday. I'm so glad, da-da-da-da-da, he says. And then they were in the next year happy birthday. But then it became HBD. And he says, I was like, wait, what? How did this get to HBD? But if you just write HBD on post after post after post, you can wish a lot of people happy birthday. But you know what he says? It doesn't feel the same as when you actually get a heartfelt message from someone. And they write you a card or they leave you a voicemail or something like that. And that's why in some ways, he goes on, I I almost feel like if we want to get back to the roots of truly satisfying relationships, of the, the essence of them, we have to remember that we evolved over thousands of years to process not just like the content of our speech, but the tone of your voice, your body language, the expression on your face, the nuance. A leper came to him, begging, and kneeling, he said to him, if you choose, you can make me clean. The point is, I think if we want to solve loneliness, we have to return to a sense of quality over quantity. I am no influencer on social media, but I do use Facebook, And I'm on Instagram, and I do scroll TikTok sometimes for way more time than I intend to. So (laughs) I think that is a message that I need to hear and to remember. And if you are not a social media user, maybe you can help offer a friendly reminder to the rest of us that there is a depth and a quality of relationship that can only be found by putting down your device, and especially when you're in the company of actual people but it is so hard because the pressure we've put on ourselves to connect online and especially the pressure that young people feel to be connected online and maybe it's no coincidence that the rates of depression and anxiety and loneliness are highest for kids because they are the primary consumers of social media we should not be surprised by this but friends what are we going to do about it I wonder if we might return to that question from earlier, the question of of why Jesus might have been indignant or angry, maybe even infuriated when this man with leprosy came and begged to be healed. Was it because the man broke all the rules and didn't approach Jesus in the right way, covering up his upper lip and crying out, unclean, unclean? I doubt that. It seems to me Jesus always reserved his anger for and directed his indignation toward the religious systems and authorities that kept people separated from God and one another. Which isn't to say that leprosy wasn't a serious skin disease that was highly contagious and that for the protection of others there needed to be some precautions and even some physical distance. But maybe, maybe... Jesus was angry that this man, this beloved child of God, felt the need to get down on his hands and knees and beg for cleansing. If you choose you could make me clean, you could do it. I dare you to. I dare you to defy all of the conventions that say you can't touch someone like me, that say that my hair must be disheveled, that my clothes must be torn that rip away any last shred of dignity I might have. I wonder if Jesus got angry that religion in God's name had been used to create rules like those or a system like that. God's people should... Should look like those ribbons in the narthex woven together, connected and bound to one another in real and beautiful ways. And when it doesn't look like that, when God's people are pushed out or pushed aside, told that they're unclean or unwelcome, then we should all be so angry and infuriated. This is the very gospel, the good news that is at stake, and it is Just as much for this man with leprosy, or this teenager who feels alone, or this young professional who's just trying to keep up the appearance of success as it is for you and for me and for everyone else in God's kingdom, which is always coming near to us. The sheer fact that there is so much loneliness in the world when there are so many Christians in the world should make us feel righteously indignant. to do something about it. Moved with pity or compassion or maybe even anger, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I do choose. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening with us today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe. Or if you have someone in your life that may be inspired by this message, please share it with them. Visit us at www.pcmorristown.org or find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook to stay connected with our church. But most of all, Remember to be the good in your community, a community that matters.